Connie. Hiya. I'm looking for the vineyards, is it? Down here. Where, where, the vineyards, is it? Rydale. Rydale. All right, thanks for your help anyway. I think it's time for a phone call, Sam. Yeah, I think it might be, yeah. Hi, Jack, it's Sam from Sunday. You okay? We're a little bit lost. <laughs> we're, at the, we're at the Jolly Farmers. Where do we go? Okay, cool, yeah, we'll wait here. Perfect, thanks, Jack. Perfect. He's coming to get us. Today, we're making our way to Yorkshire. Yes, Yorkshire. Probably one of the last places you'd expect a successful commercial vineyard to be operating. But the small family unit who run Rydale have done just that, operating one of the northernmost vineyards in the country. And having, in their own words, accidentally got into the winemaking business, they now handle all aspects of the process, from planting the vines to selling the wines, with much of the physical work falling on poor old son, Jack Fletcher. And this includes the delicate painstaking and, considering the Yorkshire winters, often brutal act of pruning the vines, which we'll be discussing with him in more detail later in the show. As always, we'll be using the setting of the tasting table and the lubricant of wine to have a more metaphysical discussion with my team of wine tasters who today, aside from sampling the wine, will be reflecting on the things they've pruned or wished they have pruned from their own life. Well, I love this. Here we are, completely lost in the depths of Yorkshire, but we're right outside the village pub. We're outside the Jolly Farmers, and we've been driving down through lovely country lanes, high hedgerows on both sides. We've passed over calm rivers with willows weeping right down to the edge. We've gone through little bits of forest. We've been through farmland, which looks as rich as any in England. And now we're just starting to rise up towards the wolds, towards those higher, broad fields. And that's what makes me think, this is where you should have a vineyard, if only we could find it. There he is. I'm good. Ah, there they are. Vines, completely hidden. Well, I suppose that's what you expect in Yorkshire, if you've got the winds blowing all around you. A nice bit of hedge, a nice hidden, looks like a south-facing slope, and, of course, running down to what looks like an apple orchard there, a lovely stone cottage, bit of a farmyard. Oops, and more vines on the other side, looking as though they're just about ready to give a beautiful crop of Yorkshire grapes. Yes, hello, Hi, I'm Jack. I'm Louise. Louise, nice, nice to meet you, Louise. Gorgeous day. Absolutely. It's actually like being in Italy or Spain, isn't it? <laughs> Close today? your eyes and you can yeah. almost be, yes. Lovely. Absolutely, nice. yes, yes. Hello, John. Oh, this is, yes. How are you? <laughs> nice well, to see you. Thank you, you. yes. Yeah, your, your, your hard-working son is looking fairly fit. You <laughs> <laughs> must be working harder. <laughs> Uh, very good. Well, I always, uh, to be fair, I always bring people up here because this is a good way of being able to see our French varieties and the German ones. So we have Rondo. This is the one that you can see here with really very rememberable because the, the stems are all bright red, beautiful colour. 
uh, as uh, the, the fresh, the new growth. The German ones, Jack. The German just ones. Just to, to explain what that means as against the French ones. They're modern they? vines. They're, they're grafted on rootstock specifically for this soil type. Really, in the design of the vine themselves, they have much larger leaves. They can create much higher levels of sugar than the French varieties. They're not often uh, struggling with, uh, with issues of powdery and downy mildew that you sometimes get with the French varieties because the foliage is so much more compact. Big bunches with big fat grapes, but loads of areas for the air to move around and keep things dry. The leaves are larger, uh, and so the air can blow in. They don't suffer like they do with the French varieties. And that's really, I think, the only real problem that we have with the French varieties up here is the mildew and mould. And that's why the German ones are, are really better suited. So, so, Jack, have you spent the last five months pruning? Yes. Virtually, yes. We've only recently finished. Did you do it all yourself? Yes, by you my bare get, hands. You don't get help. No, no. Uh, but the, the pruning, you are uh, on the clock to get it finished before these warmer springs come in and the vines spring into action. So pruning, you have to start early. You can't say after five or six years, oh, I think I, I, do, I need to do some pruning. <laughs> Basically, you need to, right from the start of the vine's life, Yes. it needs to be... Uh, uh, controlled. Absolutely. There's an awful lot of time in, in just simply knocking off these little buds that you have to walk through every single year. And so you have to, you do have to manage it. You do have to manage the growth right from day one almost. Because it seems uh, for us in, in our lives that all of us should prune things back Absolutely. at some times in our lives, but we all start too late. Yes. We yes. all actually spend years waiting and waiting and then so suddenly something says, you say, I have to prune that out of my life. I should have done it 20 years ago. Absolutely. Is there a time in a vine when it stops trying to grow itself and begins to become more introspective and begins to uh, have smaller crop, possibly better quality juice and grapes, but less of them? Does that happen in a vine? Not ever known a vine not want to spread its wings, I suppose, and grow as large as it wants. That's all, it's always wanting to do that, in my experience. I will say that after the three or four year mark, you do notice a real difference in quality of crop, especially here. And I think that's linked primarily to the roots of the individual plants as they begin to find better quality soil uh, a little further down, that alkaline soil, which we're sort of aiming for these vines to be planted on. Um, so I do notice a, a real difference in, in numbers of crop and quality after the three or four year mark as it finds its, its anchorage points, as it realises it can actually begin to produce a crop for itself. Um, and that tends to happen a, a few years in. Prior to that, the crop is plentiful but of poor quality as it sort of almost excites itself really. It gets carried away, produces a massive crop on a very small vine and again that's why I say you want to go and manage that. Take those off because it, it's putting its effort really into something it shouldn't be doing. It should be focusing on getting established and getting, uh, getting grown up. Now you've shown us this rather precious lovely little place of yours. That soil, I'm thinking about that soil, because if I did a geological map, would I find that this chalk runs down yes. southwards, down towards the Chiltern Hills, That's right. around then to the North Downs and the South Downs Absolutely. in Sussex and Kent? Well, I know then if you go yes. over to, from the White Cliffs of Dover to the White Cliffs of Calais and get your walking boots on, <laughs> in a day's time, you're still on the same chalk soil, 
in Champagne. Absolutely, yes. So we're, we're, you're saying that underneath this soil here yes. is the same chalk as Champagne in France? Absolutely the same vein of chalk, absolutely right. That's yes. what I wanted to absolutely. hear. Absolutely, yes, yes. No, we remind them of that quite a lot. With global warming. This could be the new Champagne utopia yeah. Yeah, of, of English sparkling wine, definitely. That, I believe, in certainly 10 years' time, it will absolutely be the truth. Yeah. I think that it's, it's a wonderful view here. Here we are in, in a, a really beautiful sylvan uh, English environment. Mm. Let's call it Yorkshire, because I know that Yorkshire and England are not entirely the same thing. <laughs> uh, I love the fact you've got these, these uh, orchard trees here, uh, which your mum is going to turn into chutneys and jams absolutely. like all good mums are supposed to do. And right next to it, you've got vines stretching up to the hedgerows at the top here, but the view over your stone cottage, the view is the future. Absolutely. And that is where the future generations are going to be making Yorkshire wine. Definitely, 100%. So, first wine we're going to try is Yorkshire's Lad, typically yeah. named after me. Oh, yes. Yes. This is Solaris. It's got a crisp. Crispy yeah. taste to it. Yeah, it has a crisp taste to it. Like that, a Granny Smith or something. I was just, yeah, I was, I was just, yeah. I was thinking, as a Kent man, I was thinking of a Cox, but maybe I should have thought of a, what is it, an Alcum Russet? Ackland Russet. Ackland Russet. Russet. It reminds me of an Ackland <laughs> Russet. Very <laughs> <laughs> topical. I'm thinking Bramley here. <laughs> mm. I think Bramley, absolutely right. Yeah, Bramley, when you when you baked it before you put mm. the muscovado sugar and the dates <laughs> oh, in the middle. Yes. Yes. And the double cream. When you bake <laughs> when you break bake the Bramley and all the flesh starts to go soft, yeah. but you never lose the acid with the Bramley. And the flavour gets more intense. I think mm. the Bramley is one of the great English apples. Mm. Sorry, Yorkshire apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep forgetting where I am. Now tell us about Solaris. Disease-resistant hybrid, large leaves, can produce decent sugars even in a bad summer. And that was invented, basically, then, was it in Germany? I think it's the Freiburg Institute that are responsible for that one uh, in the 50s. They do have a tendency to grow like jungles, though. You know, they're really vigorous. So pruning is important? Pruning, extremely important. Pruning all year round with Solaris, really vigorous vine. To try and keep it under control? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise it'll grow into the rows and, and then really damage itself because you're constantly trying to battle with it to allow the light and the air in to keep the grapes in good condition. So you're pruning it for its own good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we um, were talking with Jack in the vineyard about the utter importance that pruning has for uh, the vine and how it simply can't do without it. We were just wondering also about about our lives. What effect? What importance pruning has? Getting rid of stuff, taking baggage, emotional baggage or physical baggage, and saying enough. I have had enough. I must get this out of my life. Um, and it, 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 it seemed really quite an important thing to, to think about. I did a bit of pruning on myself a few years ago before Brazilian wax. Oh. So, yeah, and I think you can over prune, <laughs> I found out. But I think um, most recently, on a more serious note, it's just like um, I'm in my 60s and um, I have had a friendship for a, a few years that I thought was quite solid. And I realised I needed to prune it back because 
this role that I'd come into with the friendship with a friend was overshadowing my growth. Mm. So I've needed to prune that back so I can shine, so I can grow. And it's been fantastic. I think pruning is a, is a thing it takes courage to do. But uh, in life, I think we all prune too late, probably. And we don't necessarily make the right pruning decision. You know something's wrong with your life. You know something's cluttering your life. You know someone's, something's taking away the focus from your life. You know something is hiding you from yourself. Mm. Mm. If you can see what it is, pluck up the courage and prune. The best things to do and the best decisions are usually the hardest. Yes. You know, the easy <laughs> options are to let things slide. If you think to yourself, okay, I should do that, and you do it, then it's put to bed. Think of the vine. Yes, if indeed. If you keep it's, putting off yeah. pruning the vine and yep. keep putting off pruning the vine, you're done for. There'll be no fruit on that vine in a few years' time. There'll just be a sprawling mess. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Malika? What have, have you found pruning uh, something of importance? I think, in I think your one life? of the things that have come to me is is that um, so I love charity shops. I mean, big time. <laughs> and especially if I'm not in my local area, I can't actually pass one. <laughs> However. What allows me to buy as much charity shop things is that I constantly, in my own house, throw out things. I'm just constantly pruning old things that I no longer need or use. And there's something about holding those old energies of unused things, memories and things that you don't need anymore. And there's something about what's my old pruning could be someone else's new. They can reutilise that and enjoy that and, and own it how I once did. Mm. And that also gives me room to bring new in. To me, it's like a revolving pruning, kind of, like a... Yeah. Like a rhythm. A rhythm yeah. going mm. on. Mm. And it can also be emotions and memories. I grew up in, in the countryside and the first place we lived was a little cottage down by a little river called the Nailbourne. Uh, and I think I've spent all my life saying, one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to buy that cottage and we're going to live there again. Mm. All my life, I've sort of look, been looking back to this sylvan world that I mm. dreamt existed. This Easter, I went back down there and I walked along the banks of the river, tiny little river, and I turned right down the past the old village shop and I walked to the end of the lane and I stood outside the cottage and I stood there for five minutes, for 10 minutes, just drinking it all in. And instead of feeling elated, I felt disappointed and unhappy. And I went back and I said, that was a really important thing to do. You don't want to live here. You spent all your life saying you're coming back here, looking to the past, oh, yeah. live mm. in the future, <clears throat> live in the present. Mm. And I said to myself, I've got a wonderful life in the present and the future. Thank you, the past. I'm not coming back to this place Fantastic. ever again. <laughs> what about you, Louise? <laughs> I think pruning is more about, I'd, I'd say, choosing, choosing a discipline that you're good at and just following it. So if, 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 if a vine needs to a bit of training to grow in the direction it's ultimately, you know, moving towards for maturity, I think I'd, I would have been more confident. I think I wasted time worrying and I would like to have pruned that, mm. that worry out and just go, 
just try it. Give yourself to it wholeheartedly and follow that path. I think one of my biggest bugbears and one of my big tortures from being a teenager to probably my earliest 20s was that um, my parents that came from the Windwash, they were unable to care for me and my mother's mother brought me up and she passed away when I was 18 and I kind of tortured myself for years and years and years until my early 20s about it and now as an interfaith minister and for the last 30 odd years I have a very different relationship with that and you know for for whatever reasons my gran had to pass and I I see her now as like a guiding light over me and I wish I kind of would have known that earlier on kind of and not really heavily have tortured myself in that bed of grief in them years and I would never have thought that I would have been here like now in my 50s saying hey it's fine and I don't see it as the torturous place I was in my late teens and early 20s and I think that um, with that it kind of complements that I wish we were taught the pruning from really early Mm. earlier on Mm. because I think if we were it would give our especially painful and traumatising experience in life journey a little different Mm. somehow. So that's how I see it connecting to Mm. teenage years, nurturing, inspiring way if we would have been taught pruning from young, younger. I think it's a really good way of putting it. We weren't taught what to look out for. We just made Mm. our own way and chopped bits off Mm. haphazardly and gained Mm. bits which we shouldn't have done. Elaine, have you got some teenage secrets you're finally ready to tell us about pruning? <laughs> I think I wish I had more courage um, to do things. Uh, I was a very good runner and mm. I think I allowed my father's his own idea of that. He wasn't rich enough to be able to support me into the athletic team to overshadow me. So I think I should have just carried ahead with that and that would have been useful. Mm. Yeah. Mind you, I dislocated my knee in, uh, when I was 13, so maybe, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe it would have ended sooner than I maybe thought. The well, maybe the <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that was the pruning. Yes, that was the yeah. yeah. I didn't do any pruning at all in my teenage years. I had the best time of my life. Fantastic. <laughs> Going out every night, getting into, not bother, but meeting people, drinking far too much. You've got to go through that almost rampant, yeah. mad period before you look back at what you've done and then start to prove. I think that's very, very valid because you've got to find some way of expressing yourself and it's mm. not necessarily how your parents want you oh, to totally. express yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So totally. some vines, Jack, need to be left a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's music to my ears, is that? <laughs> a new wine. Ah, a glass mm. of red. Mm. Again, Rondo, so like the rosé, the same mm. grape, but a different process. And what you end up with is a completely different kind of drink. Uh, red wine. It's very smooth. It's lovely, mm. lovely colour. Yeah, fantastic. Not too dark, but just dark enough. It's like a beautiful cherry red, mm. rather mm. than a plum mm. red or a, or a strawberry red. It's a cherry red. Fantastic. When you think about it, we're in Yorkshire, and that wine has got as much body and ripeness and pleasure as, as a wine from the middle of France. Mm. Is that why things like the Rondo grape, these modern created grapes are so important? Do they allow us in Yorkshire to make a full-bodied wine, which we could never do with an old-fashioned 
uh, classic grape. Yes. Um, interestingly, in 2018, we made a Pinot Noir red here. And the following spring, we bottled it, so 20, May 2019. Uh, and I have to say, it wasn't the best wine I'd ever made. But it turned in, by December, it turned into something absolutely fantastic. Um, this wine, for a young wine, it's only, uh, it was only on the vine last September. It's not even a year ago. This wine now? This is less than a year old. Yes, this is just last nice. September's Gosh, harvest. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think, we're, I think we're very lucky just in front of the walls. We've got this little microclimate. The uh, weather sort of parts around us. Um, we get slightly less rainfall. And we're just in a, a really wonderful little spot. So where do the storms go, leaving you with this precious piece of land? And is it a big piece of land that lots of other people can come and make use of? In this area, yes, in front of the walls, the, the weather will track um, sort of up to, more towards Moulton between the North Yorkshire Moors and the walls. So there's a kind of a valley escape what, is that, that way. Ten miles north of here? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then um, to the sort of south of us, we've got uh, the east coast. So the, the weather will track around the walls and, and go out more to the east. Is that towards on Humberside, that sort of area? Yes, and going up towards Bridlington and that kind of So is that 20 miles? Yeah, yeah. So you've got maybe 30 miles? That's a 30 miles. Honestly, most of Burgundy is only 30 miles long in France. Oh, there we are. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just thinking to the future, the future generations of Yorkshire. Suddenly, the, the, uh, you might have 30 miles of wonderful vineyard land here. Yeah. And at the moment, it's just 12 acres. Yes, of wonderful vineyard land. Of wonderful vineyard land. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not moving. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, John, Michelle, and Jack, for welcoming us into the family. And if you're ever up in Yorkshire, be sure to give them a visit. This programme was produced by Sonda Radio and made possible thanks to the Audio Content Fund. See you next time. You can listen back to the other episodes from this series online. Just search Like a Fine Wine with Oz Clark. And please... Drink responsibly.